Break It Down, Make It Better is a series of events aimed at producing educational programming, discussions, and professional development opportunities for artists, musicians, and curators in our community and region. These programs are presented through a partnership with Dwelling Place, ArtPrize, and Creative Many Michigan. Hello, everybody. We are here for another episode of Break It Down, Make It Better, the podcast. This is me, Heather Duffy. I am your host today in the WGVU Public Radio Studios, and I am here with Jen Schaub and Letitia Lipscomb to talk about the role of art in neighborhoods and the role of neighborhoods in public art. Can you both tell me a little bit about yourselves, just so that our listeners can understand the context of the information you're bringing today? Uh, Letitia? All right, sure. So hello, everybody. My name is Letitia Lipscomb, and I am a Heartside Downtown resident. So I come to today's conversation with a myriad of experiences and opinions. I um, am an artist. I am a creative. I subsidize my law school education by painting faces. So I own a small business along the South Division corridor called I Got Face Cosmetic Concierge. I have been very involved with the Avenue for the Arts in Heartside for years on end and I absolutely love it and so I also work as the community engagement project manager for the city of Grand Rapids out of the planning department which I think is really cool and a great responsibility because how we design and develop cities drastically affects the way people learn and live and so I am here to talk about art in neighborhoods and all the things that make it good all the things that make it bad and all of the things that just affect change in a positive way. So happy to be here. Thank you. How about you, Jen? Hi, everybody. I'm Jen Schaub. I am the Director of Community Building Engagement at Dwelling Place. Uh, We are a regional housing provider, but our mission extends out of our building and into the streets. And so we have a three-point mission of affordable housing, essential support services, and acting as a catalyst for neighborhood revitalization. And when we think about the communities that we work in, we, we like to see them be thriving and vibrant places where people feel connected and a sense of belonging. And so we have been incorporating public artworks into our apartment communities for over 20 years. And in the neighborhoods where we work and serve, we often help to um, create larger scale installations and collaborate frequently with community groups. And of course, have been long involved with activities like Avenue for the Arts and the arts community here in Grand Rapids. And so there's nothing better than I like to sit around chatting about art with some wonderful people. So thanks for having us. I also need to mention that both Letitia and Jen have been involved in and instrumental in Break It Down, Make It Better over the years. And we are really grateful for your investment. And I'm saying we as the listeners, because I plan to listen to this to go back and hear all the brilliant things that you have to say just to inform my own practice and set of knowledge. So thank you for everything that you've done for this great program. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We are talking about the role art can play in a community. And so I think I want to start there. It feels really loaded with potential. Like, what is the role that art can play? And then in just a little bit, we'll dive into what is the role that art does play and and how have we seen that play out in our own community. So would either of you like to start on maybe your vision for the role that art can play in a community? You know, one of the popular buzzwords right now around art and community is around placemaking. I think it is long rooted in how do you attract attention to spaces that people might not pay attention to or create a space that's more engaging or more beautiful or eloquent or a conversation starter. 
And so art often plays a practical role of creating a sense of place, right? So that's that placemaking component. But I also believe that public artworks can also cultivate a type of conversation or community dialogue that is much more intentional about the types of communities that people want to live in or the types of representation that they want to see in their community and create something that feels authentically rooted in that place. And often you see some of the most popular or the most well-known historic conflicts around public art are when people don't feel like public artworks exemplify a sense of space or a sense of the representation of the community. I think um, the Calder is such a relief, you know, the Calder here in Grand Rapids, the Calder sculpture is such an amazing example of something that was placemaking. It started as a huge conflict, like, ah, the big rag sculpture, you know, Mm -hmm. and now today it's the emblem for the city. It's on our flag. We have a festival that just celebrated 50 years around that piece of public sculpture. And so that sense of place can be really profound and it can start to shape the identity of a city when done right. And what I think I really appreciate about the role that art can play in community building would be the engagement aspect, right? Like everybody is an artist in their own way. And so when you're talking about public works of art, when you're talking about just art period, everything from a mural on a wall in a neighborhood to sidewalk chalk, you know, a a process like that, I think that it all makes a difference and it gives neighbors an opportunity to kind of just be whatever they want to be artistically in their own neighborhood and so that's one of the things that I really admire about what art can do for the people I remember a time in Heartside where we were redesigning trash cans something as simple as trash cans and they gave neighbors dwelling place actually gave neighbors an opportunity to draw a picture you know what does your neighborhood mean to you what is the neighborhood of your dreams what does it look like what does it smell like feel like and so kids adults seniors are all given an opportunity to participate and they're able to express themselves and how they feel about their own community through art so when you give a person an opportunity to be engaged to be the change they want to see to artistically write draw speak yell or poetically get it out I think that that's really invaluable and I think that ultimately it contributes to building resident voice and it contributes to building leadership capacity in the neighborhood because you never know where that might go. My son has a piece of artwork that's still on the corner of, I want to say division and division in Oaks and it's been there for the last couple of years so it's always cool to just drive by and say hey Caius you remember you made that like three years ago mm-hmm. so it it leaves a positive mark on the neighborhood for people young and old. Yeah, and that project was great because it brought together people who did have like profound educational, like an education background yep. or had, were making art as professional artists alongside people who had never painted before. Mm-hmm. And everyone was paid for their work. So there was financial reciprocation where everybody was valued for their creative output. Yep. And I think that's really important when we're talking about how communities express themselves. Often we're asking neighbors to participate with creative 
energy, but we're not always compensating for that. Yes. And so it's important to try and find those moments where we can do that. And we were really lucky to get support from Downtown Grand Rapids Incorporated um, for that. And the lead artist on that project, Megan Galvin, yes. um, really was st- steered that project in a really positive space where, where neighbors could come together. We thought we'd have to have three different days to engage people to com- come and get those murals painted. We ended up doing it in one night because wow. there was so much community interest in that and I think you know hopefully in the future if we get more trash cans along South Division we'll be able to expand that project and continue to renew it I think one of the things that was been surprising about that is how few of them have disappeared yes we've got some great paintings out there and they have all remained kind of where they are and that's like it's cool to walk around the neighborhood and see so many different perspectives expressed in a non-traditional space right like you don't usually think of Mm-hmm. Our own trash cans mm-hmm. as being, uh, you know, the place for art, but it's it's a fun to explore the neighborhood because of that. And I think there's something extra special added in the mix when you talk about being able to compensate artists, right? Because we know a lot of artists live a starving artist type lifestyle, and then there's other people who are artists that don't even recognize that gift within themselves until you create an opportunity like that. So to be able to extract something creative from a person and compensate them as well is totally an added bonus but there's also Mm -hmm. those times that are really good when uh, it's not about being compensated at all it's just about bringing the community together because I can remember another time where art made a huge difference in our community um, when we invited some students in from I want to say was it Aquinas College that came in and they did a paint project down in the basement at the Herkimer we used like all these different blue paints and we basically painted our neighborhood and what we created together as a collective was just insane it was beautiful it was nice to see the work featured in the 306 gallery space Mm -hmm. for quite some time so again it's just another opportunity to really bring people together art can force people to fellowship and I think that that's a beautiful thing I'm hearing a lot about reinforcing a sense of belonging and and empowering people by letting them feel really rooted and represented where they are. I want to like flip this. This has been really positive and I love to Mm -hmm. harness the potential, but I also am super interested in talking about and sharing with our listeners stories about ways that art can cause conflict, maybe by avoiding participation from people who remain invested in the neighborhood as residents and as guests as well, you know, people who I think of people who work in neighborhoods as really regular guests, but not so much as residents. And I'm wondering if we can just talk a little bit about where there might be overlap, like work can cause sense of belonging, but maybe it forgets for whom we're creating that sense of belonging or reinforcing that sense of um, ownership. So I've got a I've got a great example of this that's kind of on the commercial end, but it's it's also pretty indicative of where things can go wrong. So there was a national company that was a beer distributor that had hired artists to go around and paint pop-up murals in communities across the country. And so it was this big initiative for them. They would pay artists to travel around the country and create these murals. And somehow they had found a wall in the Heartside neighborhood that they thought was going to be a great place to throw a mural up. And so they came in, they put a mural up on the wall, and we're a historic na- neighborhood, so there's a long process with the mm-hmm. city of Grand Rapids to mm-hmm. get approval for public artworks. 
Also, we're a neighborhood that, you know, in the city of Grand Rapids, you can't have a public artwork that actually promotes a brand. And then on top of it, we do have a large and very complex conversation around substance abuse and like recovery in the Heartside neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so a mural that promoted an alcoholic brand of, you know, it was beer, um, was just outrageous to some people. And it was a professional artist. They did it kind of to build up almost, I think, the dialogue around like a surprise pop-up piece of artwork I don't think the conflict was not intended Mm -hmm, I think it was intentional mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yet the conversation was at the time a little bit more about like how rude is it to jump the line in terms of like not following the process and the procedure we have other artists who've been working for years to get funding to make art to put it into these public spaces on these walls and it doesn't represent our community well when someone comes in and does something that is Uh, not sanctioned and in a way that it doesn't represent maybe the true voice of that artist. Not to say that the artist wasn't putting themselves into that piece of work, but it was kind of an interesting moment in the neighborhood where we were creating a lot of new public works. We had some large murals on the way and there was just a big conflict about how long is this going to last? And it, and it really was painted over within like a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. because it wasn't, didn't follow protocol, but for a while there was a big hubbub. So I think context is so important, right? That was about context and that was about community. You know, there's no community input. And I think we recognize now that the conversation around that is changing. Like how we get community input around what people want to see in their neighborhoods is really radically different. I would just kind of echo that with what we saw unfold recently with the rainbow mural down on Sheldon. I think that is it's critical that we're making sure that in everything we do, we are following procedure, we're following policies, and we're making sure that we have properly engaged the neighborhood so that we're considering all forms of input. The Rainbow Mural is an outstanding thing that I support, that I think is amazing. It was beautifully done, but I'm not so sure that uh, neighbors were engaged the way I would have liked to have seen them engaged about the Rainbow Mural and, and what it means for all people, simply because we live in a climate today where politically things are just happening left and right. And so as a, a parent who has a, a small child that frequents the Children's Museum, I was a little bit concerned, you know, being just completely transparent I was concerned that maybe some person would not be as understanding or welcome or in love with the idea of having a rainbow mural down there and that my child could potentially be in harm's way but then again there's also the perspective that your child could be in harm's way in in any place at any given time but there's just so much happening right now in communities across the country that I would love to make sure that moving forward when we're talking about public works of art, when we're talking about murals in neighborhoods that people have been engaged in all perspectives have at least been considered. You know, you do, the outcome can always be whatever the outcome will be, but people need to always feel at least that they've been heard. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that we're being responsible at all times to make sure that we're engaging people and keeping them abreast of what's going on. And I think that one of the things that we've seen from public work, especially, we're talking about public work today for the most part, over time is that 
the you know marginalized communities and underheard from communities find power in that public representation as they should mm-hmm. because people are living in a mainstream culture that doesn't always show representation of their perspective or their experience and something like a rainbow mural it recognizes both the experience of the lgbtq community certainly brings to light the conversation about public space children love it it's beautiful and it's in a non-traditional space it's on a street instead of on a wall and so it starts to change the dialogue about how we use that space but i think that that going back to what i started to say which is the representation of marginalized voices and different perspectives is one of the things that public works can do so well Mm-hmm. And it can champion a new way of thinking, or it can also just create a you know a sense of place for people who might not have felt like the community is for them. And so I love it when we we start to have the dialogue about why is this an important thing to have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or and what concerns does it bring up, and why does it bring up those concerns for our community? And how do we go about addressing the concerns that it's bringing up when the concerns around safety because of to be frank about a fringe fanatic who might have a terrible response to something that is about supporting and championing voices that might not be heard otherwise or recognized otherwise you know how do we then start to address that because it's a part of our culture that is terrifying Mm -hmm. and real right Mm -hmm. now and i think um that was kind of the dialogue we had been having a couple weeks ago that was like a really important space to to be talking about right right? have you seen examples of work like maybe the rainbow street mural or something else that lifts up voices and lived experiences that are not part of the majority mainstream as a tool for conversation where there are also tools provided for that conversation I've just been thinking about like I wonder I haven't checked this at all so Mm -hmm. this is really off the cuff but is there a website for this mural where it's documented and maybe within that website is there an opportunity if it's not there already for a set of talking points that could be used as a tool for parents who are bringing their kids to the museum have you seen an example like this where there are resources available to go along with the conversation potential of these public works. I think that would be an amazing resource. I love that idea. Unfortunately, we have not seen that yet, but perhaps somebody listening to this podcast will institute that idea. I would like to take this time, though, to give a huge shout out to um, UICA, though, because I think that UICA has they have been a trailblazer in being willing to have those hard conversations through the forms of art. Warm water was exceptional it was outstanding it dealt a lot with the perspective that many african americans have about swimming and water and drowning and hair and all of those issues i think warm water did a great job at at tackling breaching the margins was phenomenal there are so many us versus them was a amazing Mm -hmm. I think that UICA you know just displayed an exemplary amount of courage by hosting shows that um, represent disenfranchised people or um, you know marginalized populations that don't normally have a voice or representation in mainstream media or art so the fact that UICA has gone above and beyond in terms of bringing artists in from the outside to share their stories I think is is profound and so I'm looking forward to somebody doing more engagement around the rainbow mural and 
in, around embracing the community and bringing them into the conversation. The Muskegon Museum of Art recently did a great exhibition where it was photographs of community members and professionally done and beautiful photography of African-American men from the community. And I think not only is that a way to build up representation and make sure that people feel on that museum spaces are for them but it starts a dialogue about you know we all know that representation within the museum structure right Mm -hmm, whether it's mm -hmm. a exhibition hall like the uica that doesn't have a permanent collection or a museum like the muskegon museum of art that does have a permanent collection that probably doesn't have as much representation as we'd like to see from um, minority artists, from women artists, from people who have identities spanning the spectrum of our identities as people, that we start to kind of break up a conversation about not only why don't we, why haven't we, and then who is this space for, and how do we start to change the dialogue? I think UICA has been really pushing that for years now. Heather, you were a part of that you know, change in their perspective of how to start engaging communities, and I think it's hard work. We're talking about you know, art as an elite space, you know, whether it's in the walls or whether it's exterior and it's public work, elite spaces created by art are something that we are all familiar with, I think, you know, as artists or as creatives in the community, we, we feel that separation on a regular basis. When you talk to someone and says, ah, that's not really for art. It's not really for me. I'm not really an art person. Mm -hmm. That's what you're hearing as a Mm -hmm. remnant of that. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that like so many um, fields and industries, it was just the museum field, the art field is just dominated by um, a certain type of person for far too long. And so like in many fields and industries, there's a lot of work to be done to continue breaking down barriers to access. But in public space, I think there's like a misconception that those spaces are already for everyone because they're used by everyone, but maybe Mm -hmm. they are actually undergoing the same type of, I'm going to do some air quotes, uncomfortable transformation where it does take a lot to acknowledge that history has been imperfect and to know that you can hold that in the same space as knowing that you can do better. And I think I'm interested in hearing about ways that people can move forward without becoming one of these conflict failure stories. You know, like Mm -hmm. when can conflict become resolved and and can make something stronger we think I'm thinking about like critique is one place where conflict is rife but Mm -hmm. it's necessary and Mm -hmm. people have a chance Mm -hmm. to examine themselves even if I choose any of these and and take off I've got one for you I got one for you I do too so a couple of years ago we did a collaboration with the Cook Arts Center Mm -hmm. students at the Cook Arts Center are living in a a neighborhood undergoing a significant amount of change right now Plaza Roosevelt is really transforming the corridor along which many of the students who go to the Cook Art Center live. And their arts instructors had really wanted to focus on this idea that there's a right way to create a public artwork and there's a wrong way. And the right way involves community voice. Mm -hmm. And so these are high school students. And so the students came in multiple times into the Heartside neighborhood, which is not the neighborhood that they have grown up in or live in currently. And they did a series of engagement activities where they got to talk to neighbors. And sometimes that's awkward, right? Sometimes that's standing on the sidewalk, talking to, it is standing on the sidewalk and talking to strangers. It is engaging in a dialogue that you wouldn't have naturally. And so the students came in and they had several engagement activities and they captured input from residents about the experience of being in the neighborhood. We've done similar projects with uh, WIMCAT, West Michigan Center for Arts and Technology students. 
where they come in, they talk to neighbors, they get to know a little bit about their experience, and then they go back and create a design that echoes some of the things that they hear. It brings in the student's artistic expression, and then they create a mural. And when we create a mural that's made by students, it's going to look like it was made by high school students, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have this beautiful mural in the parking lot of 106 South Division. It'll be up for another couple of years. It has a representation of a group of people. Some people are wheelchair users. Some people are standing. Some you know different skin tones. There's just a diverse group of people there. And then there's kind of these wheels and cogs up above, and they have different symbols in them. And those were symbols that were suggested by neighbors that represent their experience of living downtown. Mm -hmm. And so I think murals like that express exactly what they are. They're a representation of many voices. They're a representation of creation by public arts students and hold a really dear place in the community because they activate a space that otherwise wouldn't be activated Mm -hmm. with an artwork that truly is a learning experience for the students and a growing experience for the community. So for me, I think my my rose from the concrete example or story definitely falls in line with quality of life. So I've had the honor and privilege of facilitating the quality of life study in Heartside for the last two years. And so Heartside is a neighborhood that suffers from a lot of battle fatigue. Right. Mm-hmm. There are people in the neighborhood that's been living in the neighborhood for years that kind of drank the Kool-Aid and felt like our neighborhood's never going to change. They bought into all of the negative stigma that's associated with the neighborhood and they just got tired of fighting for change and fighting for building the neighborhood they wanted to see. But with our neighborhood building and activation group, um, one of the work groups that fell under quality of life, one of their final recommendations was to really put forth a hardcore effort to share and create more positive stories about the neighborhood. So now I'm getting back to that engagement. I'm getting back to building resident voice and I'm getting back to activating people. So we created a silhouette project in conjunction with Dwelling Place where we created silhouettes and we took quotes from neighbors about Heartside. And we wanted to find out from people, what is it that makes our neighborhood strong, vibrant, positive? What are the things that you love? And so we took those silhouettes and we placed them in vacant storefronts all along the South Division corridor. And for a few months, all people driving, walking, biking past could read what was in the thoughts and on the hearts of everyday people living and playing and working in Heartside. And so I think that's just a real good example of how you can take something negative and turn it into something positive just by giving people a chance to speak up and to be artistic. And so we need to do more of you know, engagement activities like that, where we're not only activating those vacant spaces, but we're giving people a chance to be a part of something, which creates a sense of belonging, it creates a sense of ownership, and it gives neighbors something to be proud of. I think there's a really great opportunity for that in Grand Rapids right now. I think the Neighborhood Match Fund is a really great opportunity for young artists and for artists of all ages, really, to propose projects and ideas that activate public space Mm -hmm. and to create new experiences or public artworks or temporary artworks like the Silhouettes that help bring about a different perspective for their community and maybe help them grow an experience that is really hopefully informative for their their art making 
practice because I think a lot of artists, often we struggle with that moment of like, am I making artwork that's solely um, within my studio and for me to like, how do you create a social practice? How do you create works that are relevant within the community at large and are going to be scalable or going to be something that speaks to a voice that's outside of your own Mm -hmm. personal voice. And so I think that there are some great opportunities through the Neighborhood Match Fund. I think that DGRI, if if people are looking for performance-based experience or if they would like to create more of like a festival-type atmosphere or activated spaces during the winter, there are some interesting opportunities through the Vibrancy Committee through DGRI. I'm pretty sure Amplify GR has an opportunity for neighbors too Mm -hmm. that they coincided with Link on. So all across the city, there's Mm -hmm. an opportunity for people to engage and kind of activate their neighborhoods artistically, however that looks for them, because it's different for everybody. For some people, art is activism. For other people, art is, you know, something they want to do to beautify and activate a space. So whatever it is, you have to just remember as an individual, there's plenty of opportunities right now to just be the change you want to see. I want to flip that on its head for just a second and say, what if you have a wall or a public space or, you know, a courtyard or the road in front of your small business or home that you want to see activated? What are resources for people who are looking to activate space to Mm -hmm. connect with artists and look for proposals? I think that one of the things we always encourage, and if you are looking to have a space activated, what can you put into that activation? How can you ensure compensation? Are you willing to work alongside that artist to make sure that um, they can buy the supplies, are fairly compensated for their time, to make sure that that project remains fair, right? But also then making sure that in the city of Grand Rapids that you talk and and define whether or not you're in a historic district, because that can really limit what you can do. Mm -hmm. For a space doesn't mean it's impossible, but it might just change the type of artwork that is appropriate for that space. Looking for opportunities to activate spaces during special events um, like Art Prize, maybe as something that's temporary and then you get a long-term permit to retain the piece is a great kind of like uh, opportunity to test out what's possible. And then, of course, to connect the creative community, I think there are a couple of different ways you can do that. I think UICA has a great mural project. They have commissioned some gorgeous murals around the city over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. They are a really great partner in commissioning public works. I think just reaching out to the creative community. The Avenue for the Arts has a great chat group called Avenue for the Arts. Um, They have a group, but they also have a page. So if you find the group, if you're looking for artists and you're prepared to help find funding resources and compensate for their work. Um, that's a really great place to reach people directly. And that's on Facebook. I'm and that's on Facebook. Thank you for, that. for pointing that out. Sure. Yeah. And so there are lots of great ways, but also it's just getting really invested and in going to those art events and meeting those artists and like making the personal connection. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the collaboration between a business and an artist can be really magical. And so there are a lot of great small galleries and emerging galleries and also Um, more established galleries in town to get connected to. And I would also encourage people to connect with their neighborhood association and with business association, because a lot of times um, projects, you know, requests for proposals can come through the neighborhood association to do a a beauty project or an art project inside a neighborhood. So don't forget about those two outlets as well. Yeah. You might have neighbors who are already attending those meetings who want to be a part of the process. Um, We're working on, on a great project in Muskegon Heights right now at Roosevelt Apartments there, 
where we are working with neighbors to help commission some public artworks. Um, it's a project that we'll be kicking off this next year. And I'm really excited because the project is going to be paired with a little walking path and workout equipment for seniors that's mm-hmm. going to be installed. So we want to make sure that the mind is active too, right? Yeah. So we're thinking about what does that look like? And when people say, well, what is this art going to look like? I say, why? Well, we have no idea because neighbors are going to help steer that project and they're going to help define what types of themes and what type of artwork and what type who select the artist, right? And identify the right person to make the work for that space. And that type of collaboration is tricky and technical because you want to make sure that the artist retains their their creative voice mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that we find great ways for neighbors to be heard in that process. And something like that takes time. So um, we're planning on that project being like a year or two long year long project before the pieces would actually probably get installed. And so I caution business owners and community members to not think that this is something that you can accomplish in you know, two or three weeks. Give it time. Make sure you do it right. Involve the right people. Have the right dialogues. Find the right artist. Find an artist where this works for them and mm-hmm. they want to put in the work of finding and getting the, you know, the community conversation started so that they don't put something up and create a sense of outrage, you know, and that they create a sense of community. That's good. So being heard, giving opportunities for neighborhood residents, for active participants, and really just active investors in Mm -hmm. the space to be heard is really important. And so sort of rapid fire, break it down, make it better. Um, If you had a top three questions, you would recommend that um, an artist or community organization or space manager asks when they are giving this opportunity to be heard. Like I say, they're doing a listening session and they bring people in, or they're sending out surveys to everyone, you know, giving lots of different opportunities for engagement do you have like a top three questions that you think should be the foundation of this listening I think one of the first things to know about is what's the history of the place right like mm-hmm. how do you understand the history of the environment that you're working in the neighborhood that you're working in not all murals have to deal with that history but I think the mural at the UICA open water did I get that right Warm water. Warm water. Warm mm-hmm. water. Thank you. I knew it was warm water. That's about a history, right? It's mm-hmm. about something that, uh, and, and it brings it into our present perspective yep. around people's experience, right? And so there is this like understanding the history of a concept or the place is one of the things that I would recommend. That's that's before you even get to a conversation. Do you know the history of that neighborhood? Do you know the history of that place? Do you know the history of that building? That just helps create a really healthy foundation for what could potentially be created there. And then also when you're having a conversation back and forth with, you know, with artists or the community, the community questions are around like what types of colors, what types of vision, you know, they're, they can be very basic. Like um, we've done a project before where the community helped just choose the color palette, right? That can be just one starting point where you can then see the community vision coming through. To the other extreme of that, it's trying to solicit ideas for what types of themes you'd like to see come out in the artwork, and then trying to find the right artist to match up with those themes. And for the artist, it's how do you feel about collaborating with community? Is this something that you're comfortable with? Can you and will you make changes to your your artwork based off of community feedback? And to what extent? Because some artists are not willing to do that and they're not interested in doing that. They'd like to be commissioned to make exactly what they want to make. And that's fair too. As an artist, I completely understand where that comes from. And that's just knowing the right place for that type of work. 
Thanks so much, both of you, for being here. I feel like this has been a wealth of knowledge and information for our listeners. And as always, if listeners, you have more information to add to this, please engage in the conversation online, share resources, drop links. And I'm Heather Duffy in the WGVU studio here with Jen Schaub and Letitia Lipscomb for another episode of Break It Down, Make It Better, the podcast. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye. The Break It Down, Make It Better podcast is presented in partnership with WGVU Public Media. Break It Down, Make It Better conversations are recorded in the WGVU Public Radio studio. Episodes are produced by Rick Bierling and hosted by Heather Duffy. Episodes can be streamed at WGVU.org and wherever you find your podcasts.